Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Cody Norton, the large carnivore specialist for the Michigan DNR, and we're going to be discussing wolves and the relisting of gray wolves to the endangered species list. Yes, on this episode, we're talking the gray wolves and you know the status of the gray wolf here in the lower 48. But before we dive into that, I do want to give an update or I guess cover some upcoming events that will be taking place. So the first one is a turkey hunting seminar that will be held at the Kingsley Sportsman Club in Kingsley, Michigan. Uh, and that will be hosted by the Northwest Michigan NDA branch. And that will be on Saturday, April 9th from 9 to 11 a.m. And then also on April 9th, the Michigan Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation uh, Travers Bay Chapter is hosting their 26th annual banquet. And again, that's on April 9th. And that will be starting at 5 p.m. at the Park Place Hotel and Conference Center in Traverse City, Michigan. No, and last I checked, they still had some tickets available, so I will put a link down in the description. If you're interested, look up and see if there's any tickets available, and you can purchase those. And then lastly, but certainly not least, on Saturday, April 16th, from 3 to 9 p.m. at the Upper Hand Brewery in Escada, Michigan, uh, they're releasing Trek Light. And that's with Trekking Outdoors. So it looks like they've partnered up and the guys with Trekking uh, end up getting, looks like their own beer. So so again, that will be on April 16th from 3 to 9 p.m. in Escanaba at the Upper Hand Brewery. So those are a few events that I'm hoping to attend as well. So if you're in the area, I do hope to see you there. But now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this conversation. So... To give some, I guess, kind of outline, you know, what this is all about. So there's been a few changes in really the past year or so of the status of gray wolves and how they're managed throughout the country. So in September of 2020, the Fish and Game or the Fish and Wildlife announced that gray wolves would no longer be federally protected in the lower 48, which in January of 2021, that ruling went into effect. And of course, litigation was you know, quickly filed. So on February 10th of 2022, District Court Judge Jeffrey White of the Northern District of California ruled in favor to return wolves in the lower 48 back on to protect the status under the endangered species list. Oh, and this litigation was brought on by the Defenders of Wildlife, Natural Resources Defense Council, and Wild Earth Guardians who filed the suit seeking to overturn the ruling of the delisting. So that gives the basis of on the status of the gray wolf. Now there's been a lot of news about wolves and there's been a lot of work in regards to, um, at least in the state of Michigan, of how to handle or their management plan for wolves. So and with all these changes, you know, I sought to get a someone that would or get an expert on the subject to come on the show and talk about so I reached out to Cordy Norton who is the large carnivore specialist for Michigan and I just wanted to have him have an opportunity to you know speak on the matter and then 
you know, kind of talk about wolves and, you know, the management of wolves within the state. So I'm not going to hold it up anymore. We're going to turn it over and then I'll follow up after that conversation with a bit of a closure and some additional updates. So yeah, I'm uh, Cody Norton. I'm the large carnivore specialist for the Michigan DNR's Wildlife Division. So I'm responsible for bear, wolf, and cougar uh, management in the state. It's kind of a it's an interesting job. I've been doing it for just under three years now. Um, before that, I was a wildlife biologist in Shingleton, here in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, now I'm over in Marquette, which is where I'm actually from. And before that, I worked on a lot of different you know research projects with bears, wolves, bobcats, coyotes, deer, kind of, you know, a lot of different things that helped me, you know, build my my background for getting into a, a position like this and dealing with things at a kind of a, a much higher level. Okay. Yeah. With you just saying, I was just going to ask what steered you in the direction to go into the, towards the large carnivores? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, I've, I've just kind of always had a thing for, uh, especially bears. They're kind of my, my favorite species to work on. Ended up doing my master's uh, at Northern Michigan University on bears, um, collaring bears, following them around, seeing how they responded to timber harvest and, and other factors. And so that really kind of led me, I guess, down this road. That's what a lot of my background was in, uh, including, you know, working with wolves. Um, and then cougars were kind of a a newer thing uh, for me once I got into this position kind of soon after I actually got to go out to Idaho and uh, get to got to run cougars or lions as they call them out there uh, with hounds and and dart them and collar them uh, so that was pretty pretty awesome getting to do some hands-on experience and you know with them obviously there's a lot of similarities between them and our other you know carnivores here in Michigan but uh, some some pretty big differences too so it's been a it's been a yeah fun ride so far yeah okay so you, you see you said you're partial to the bears though huh yeah they definitely um they're a lot of fun to work with obviously you know management's been kind of set for a long time with with how we manage bears our approach to them um i you know i grew up hunting trapping doing everything i could out <laughs> out in the woods so i've really enjoyed you know interacting hunting bears uh that way as well as doing research on them and and then managing them uh once i was you know with the department so okay excellent again the main reason why i've got you on is to talk about the wolves and you know i'm sure one of the first things that if i didn't cover it it would be asked why i didn't cover but i guess if you could cover about you know what the wolf population looks like in michigan um they the area that they cover and just kind of the, the, the summary on wolves in Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, wolves are, are a native species in Michigan. They've been here since I think the last glacier melted <laughs> 10,000 years ago. Obviously, we they were mostly extirpated from the state, you know, by the, by the late 60s, early 70s. But since the late 80s, when we saw 
um, a few wolves show up in the central UP and then start reproducing. Uh, we've had an, an increasing population until about 10 or 11 years ago. Um, and we've actually seen that population stabilize. So our most recent uh, minimum population estimate was 695 wolves. And that was in 2020. We're actually conducting our uh, another survey this winter. So we should have a 2022 estimate sometime late spring, early summer. But over, you know, like I said, the last 10 or so years, that population has, has stabilized. We haven't seen growth. We haven't seen, you know, a decline at all. They've just been, they've kind of filled the entire upper peninsula. You know, they're well distributed across it. They seem to have kind of hit their, you know, ecological or biological and, and social caring capacity. Okay. I was, it's interesting that you brought that up because that was one of the questions I had lower on my notes is that, um, you know, doing some research on wolves and whatnot, you know, some of the arguments is that, you know, that wolves will, you know, essentially start to maintain their numbers once they've hit the, you know, carrying capacity for the area. And I wanted, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you know, how much uh, truth is that, you know, will they start to level off and oversee the carrying capacity and then drop back down? Or is it a much more subtle, you know, transition in that regard. Yeah, I think I think that's a great question, and there aren't. I mean, there. I guess there are examples outside of the U.S. Within the U.S., it's um, a little bit more limited, and in really good examples of where wolves have have kind of hit, you know, that carrying capacity, and and where we've seen populations stabilize without, you know, any other mortality sources being thrown in there. I think Isle Royal is a, a really neat um, example of what can happen. You know, we've seen wolves on that island kind of exceed carrying capacity or, you know, what the what the habitat space, you know, what they, they, they need a certain amount of area for, you know, their territories as well. They'll actually, you know, kill other wolves and, and compete with each other for what food is available. But it, it's definitely not a not a nice clean cut. Oh, they they gently get up to this level and then and then stabilize over time. You can definitely have them, you know, exceed or or exceed and then kind of dip below, you know, what that carrying capacity might be over time. Um, but typically, you know, you could you could expect any species that runs out of or kind of maximizes how many animals can be supported by, you know, the the land mass that's available, the the prey base that's available to stabilize over time and, and kind of hit that carrying capacity. Um, obviously, if you change the habitat that's out there, prey populations that are out there, different mortality sources that are acting upon that population, you can you can change, you know, what that carrying capacity might be. But I think, you know, that's, we, we certainly didn't see UP wolves really peak and then come back down to where they've stabilized. They, they did just kind of um, we saw an increasing trend all the way since the late 80s and then um, them start stabilizing, you know, back in I think 2011 was the last estimate that that's been pretty consistent with what we've seen the last 10 years. So there's it's definitely not a nice clean cut, you know, every population does this. But as you might expect with any, you know, any wildlife species in a given area, there's only so many that are going to be able to be supported by the resources that are available gotcha and then um for the distribution across the, the up are they dispersed across the entire um, portion yes yep so they're they're across yeah the, the entire up for the you know vast majority of potential areas where we think 
you know, a, a wolf territory could be set up or be established. And, you know, there's the number of packs hasn't changed much over time. The territories have been pretty consistent over time, you know, in recent years. So we we don't expect, you know, wolves to be moving into to many new areas. Um, they've kind of, you know, they've distributed themselves across the peninsula. It sure seems like in, in recent years, based on our, our surveys, that we've seen a little bit more of an increase in the eastern end of the UP and a, a decrease or kind of stabilization of the west end. The Keweenaw Peninsula was one of the kind of the last areas to get to have a, a wolf pack established up in the tip there. Um, but we also have lower deer densities in some of those areas, right? So, you know, how much prey base is actually there for pack to get established and, and be supported throughout the year. So, but yeah, in, in general, definitely wolves have, have expanded and, and kind of filled in um, the available habitat in the UP. Gotcha. And then for the lower peninsula, now there are reports yeah, you hear every now and then of, you know, wolves being in the lower peninsula. Is there, you know, any confirmed population of wolves in the lower peninsula yet or not yet? There's no confirmed population, so we've never documented reproduction or breeding or anything like that. We have had two confirmed, you know, wolf sightings or wolf reports um, from the northern lower over the years. Uh, the first one was in 2004. It was actually a collared wolf from Lake Mackinac County in the in the UP. So our, you know, DNR biologist had, had collared it, um, and it ended up, you know, crossing the ice and got trapped by a coyote trapper in Presqu'ile County and in the northeastern lower peninsula. But that trapper you know shot it in the trap uh apparently before he realized what it was um but that was actually the first verified wolf report in the lower peninsula uh since like 1910 which is pretty it's <laughs> pretty cool yeah. um obviously that one didn't you know <laughs> reproduce or or become established in any way um and then 10 years later there uh the little travers bay band of odawa indians ended up getting trail cam photos of what they suspected were I believe two wolves and then ended up collecting a scat sample that they sent off for genetic analysis and that was um, confirmed to be from a wolf in Emmett County so in, in 10 years later you know we had another confirmed sighting those are actually the only two uh, confirmations that we've we've had in the northern lower peninsula yeah <laughs> and, and so far and then so then what's the likelihood of uh, a population of wolves getting established in the lower peninsula yeah i mean i think if you look at the habitat the prey base i mean it's absolutely suitable habitat for them obviously they've got a kind of a five mile stretch of of lake that they got to get past uh, to get down there and and try to become established some of the recent years you know we haven't had the, the best ice cover but you don't have to go back that far i mean the winters of 2012 2013 we had some pretty pretty severe winters up here really cold you know really cold where basically all of lake superior froze over even um so there's definitely been opportunities for wolves to cross um we just haven't really you know seen seen multiple wolves get across where they could actually you know reproduce with each other and, and establish a population but it there's besides that um you know stretch of of water they get to get across um there there aren't really any big barriers to to them getting there and it it sure seems like that could be you know a possibility in the future okay all right and then so you did 
touch base a little bit about you know the game species and whatnot that the wolves hunt and you know that's always a big concern the you know predation of game animals um you know with a wolf population and i know you know there's a couple different reports i've seen from more so from uh, like wisconsin and minnesota where they're doing some you know numbers in regards to number of deer um, in Wisconsin, in correlation to the number of wolves, you know, they've seen the increase in the wolf population and decrease in the deer population, primarily in the, the northern regions. Um, and then with the concern of moose in Minnesota, you know, it looks like wolves are the primary cause of the, the majority of the uh, mortality for uh, moose calves. You know, are we seeing any figures of seeing declines in game species because of the wolf population? Sure. So before I worked for the state, I actually um, worked on a, a research project called the Michigan Predator Prey Study. So that was going on in the UP for about 12 years. Um, and kind of the, the big goal of that project was to evaluate the impact of winter weather habitat and predators on deer abundance or you know deer populations fawn survival in the up and kind of the the big you know the big conclusions that came out of it was that up here in the up winter weather is really what drives deer populations um so we did find you know wolves were the the number one um, predator mortality source for adult deer not not for fawns which is kind of interesting and, and fun to talk about there's actually just kind of trade-offs between uh, coyotes are typically the number one predator and then uh, bear and bobcat take quite a few fawns as well but what we saw was that during severe winters um, wolf predation you know increased and i think close to half of the deer that that wolves would kill, especially during those severe winters, um, were likely, you know, so so far down on their fat reserves and in such poor condition that they they might not have made it through the winter, um, regardless. So, definitely, you know, wolves wolves kill deer. You know, wolves <laughs> wolves make a living off of deer. That's their main main prey source. Um, but we what we found in the UP when we see these big swings in deer population and deer abundance um, trends over time it's it's being driven by those severe winters um and and not you know as much by actual predation from the different predators that that take them gotcha so with you know a lot of people are concerned about the deer numbers in the up you know how much of that you know with that concern has to be also taken in consideration when you're talking with the wolf predation as well um it kind of sounds like you're saying that a lot of the deer that the wolves are killing were ones that may not have made it through winter anyways is that correct yeah i mean we we certainly see that obviously they are taking you know deer that are also healthy um and that might have otherwise made it through so they they certainly have an impact they might you know exacerbate slightly when we have you know severe winters or or you know during winter it winters in general you know they're going to take deer that would otherwise have made it through um but we don't really see large population level impacts from wolf predation on deer like i said that though when we see those big swings you know in, in deer harvest you know we don't have direct estimates of deer abundance um in most of the up but when we see those big swings um in our 
you know index of, of deer abundance it's it's due to those are driven by those severe winters gotcha okay um and i guess since we're still on the 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 wolf numbers i do want to touch on so in reading through the the wolf management plan you know and talking about the viability of a wolf population in it is stated that a population of at least 200 wolves believed to be large enough um, to maintain a viable population with enough diversity to where it could essentially sustain itself is that number of 200 still accurate yeah i mean that's that's what's outlined in our plan that was mostly established based off of the federal wolf recovery goals so um, in order for federal delisting one of the criteria was that wolf numbers in michigan and wisconsin in wisconsin combined needed to be over 100 okay. individuals and so then the state you know kind of tried to take a conservative approach and, and basically double that just in michigan and say that okay you know we'll we'll consider or our population to be you know sustainable and 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 you know at least considered for recovery after um five consecutive years of a population over 200 um and so we actually met you know that federal recovery goal for mission michigan and wisconsin having over 100 wolves was met in 1994 um and then the state recovery goal of having 200 for five consecutive years was met in 2004 and they were actually removed from the state list of threatened and endangered um, they actually got reclassified in the middle there but they were removed from the the state list in 2009 um, so they are they are not a state endangered species they're actually uh, you know designated as a game species in Michigan the Natural Resources Commission has designated them a game species so they are not um, you know protected at the state level in that way they aren't considered an endangered species or threatened species um, so when we talk about the um, Endangered Species Act and, and federal protections, you know, that's that's only coming from the federal Endangered Species Act, not from those state um, designations of endangered or threatened. No, and you just brought up a great point. Yeah, that was something that I really didn't realize that, that you, there would be two different you know aspects of that both on the federal level, which everybody knows, uh, but then also that, yes, states can actually designate certain animals, you know, regardless if they're under federal protection or not. Um, So, you know, it's great that you brought that up, that, you know, the state does see them as a a game species or a game animal, um, but now they carry that federal protection. Yes, yep. And that's, you know, from the the department's perspective, um, like you said, we're, we're above federal and state recovery goals and have been for many years. Um, so we, you know, consider our wolf population recovered. It's a viable population it, and it, you know, here in Michigan doesn't uh, warrant that federal, you know, protection or to be on, on the endangered species list. We would like to see wolves, um, you know, stay under, under state management. Right, and I, I, I assume that'd be the case because um, I've never heard of any of the states that don't want control over the, you know, their own resources or animal resources or game species. So, I assume that'd be the case. You know, in regards to when they were taken off the, or then when they were delisted back in 2020, I believe it was 2020. Now I'm actually losing my. Yeah, it would have been just in the January 4th, 2021. I think I just was reviewing that today. Yeah, so, you know, in that regard, you know, was the state 
was that part of the reason why the state was trying to go through and do the the survey for the wolf management plan to do an update on it to potentially you know cha- make the changes due to the the no longer being federally protected yeah so our our wolf management plan um you know was originally written back in 2008 and then updated in 2015 and um, the original wolf roundtable that kind of helped develop the plan um they actually had put a recommendation in there to update the plan every five years and so with wolves you know coming off of the list coming back under state management and us being kind of at that you know about five year um interval we thought yeah this would be you know an appropriate time to go through and and update the management plan which involved you know um different you know public input and things i think that you brought up earlier as well okay so and you know with that and then of course now with the the overturning of that ruling um and having them put back on the endangered species that you know how how much does that affect you know what the plan was going forward with the new management plan sure so i think you know the the outcome of our management plan how it's written um will probably be you know the same regardless of the federal you know classification of wolves or standing of wolves um but it you know with them once again so on february 10th of of this year last month um they were returned to the federal endangered species list so that means that some of our management options that are outlined in the plan are no longer you know, available to us as a as a management tool. So there's um, and there's also some like state laws and, and other things that provide the ability of members of the public to do things as well. And so you know, all of that kind of revolves around um, lethal management of wolves, right? So we can still implement most of our most of the portions of the management plan. We can do non-lethal, you know, livestock depredation management. We can still do our population estimates. We still do, you know, active research on wolves. We can still do a lot of, you know, other things that are in that plan. Um, but anything involving, you know, lethal control of wolves is kind of is off the table um, unless they come back off the, the Endangered Species Act. So, you know, some of those things that I think are important for for folks to know, especially if, um, you know, you're a dog hunter or dog owner or you know a livestock producer there's there's a couple public acts uh, 318 of 2008 and 290 of 2008 that allow either a dog owner to to kill a wolf in the act of of attacking their dog or a livestock owner to kill a wolf in the act of attacking their livestock those become you know they are they are no longer in place because wolves are uh, back under federal protections it also you know if we have a livestock producer that's having issues um we can't you know the department or usda wildlife services that we use um, or work with a lot um, to deal with you know depredation issues with with wolves and other species you know we can't go there and and lethally remove any animals Um, and then we also typically would issue livestock producer control permits if there's a you know a farmer that's experiencing wolf depredation or somebody nearby that has livestock that could potentially be you know at risk there's there's kind of different criteria to qualify for them but we could issue those to you know livestock producers to take a certain amount of wolves off their property you know if they if they've been causing issues um and 
then kind of the final thing is that we we you know it's not an option for us to even you know consider having some sort of you know public harvest right yeah because i was gonna touch base on that about you know what that means so from what i read too is that yeah if if it's livestock or you know in dealing with domestic animals at all you're essentially non-lethal it looked like the only uh, time that lethal uses um, allowed is if it involves human life essentially yes yep yeah. that's exactly it so now now with that i mean it does seem like you know taking the state's ability to you know handle their own population in that regard you know is there anything that the state can or can try to do to you know go against this ruling to maybe appeal it or or you know basically to try to get control back of you know being able to manage the populations themselves sure so you know when wolves were when the initial you know rule was out for public comment before um u.s fish and wildlife service actually you know delisted wolves back in last january um you know we did provide a letter of support um for delisting in in michigan you know obviously we're just going to comment on what's going on in our state not um you know other states that that may or may not have wolves so you know we have tried to be supportive in that way um typically you know any any decisions about the department becoming involved with you know appeals or the legal process anything like that are, are made um well above my head sure. um, so yeah <laughs> I, i'm not sure you know if, if that will be something that that gets looked at here um in the future now that this now that this you know federal court ruling came out which put wolves back on the list i have read the you know the judgment by that federal judge on the court case and i think the you know there were there were quite a few things that he um you know picked out that he felt the fish and wildlife service you know didn't properly address um so i'm not sure if an appeal would be I'm not sure how effective it would be, I guess. Um, and that's for something something for, you know, people that understand the legal system much much better than me as well. Sure, um, yeah. But I, I think that's something that a lot of different groups, you know, hunting groups, um, other, you know, conservation organizations, they're all, you know, looking at that and trying to weigh the options of what's the, what might be an effective strategy. Um, but that's something that typically the department kind of stays stays neutral on unless there's a a really clear you know good option to move forward with okay yeah i i had a you know i suspected that that was going to be something that wouldn't be necessarily your realm but i thought maybe maybe you had a thought on it so i guess the one thing that i just i did kind of forget to touch base on so with the wolf population you know especially again now with the the federal protection it does change things but you know a lot of people i'm sure you probably get this question quite often is you know how many wolves does the state want or how many wolves will the state allow to be you know on the landscape you know because i know that the management plan has a, a minimum number but is there any idea of a maximum number that the state thinks that should maintain or is it still up in the air in that regard sure so and that's i think that's an important thing too you know when we talked earlier about that you know it appears that wolves have stabilized you know that that doesn't mean that that's the you know, based on all input from, you know, from different stakeholders, every everyone from hunters to 
animal rights, you know, activists to the general public that's out there that doesn't, you know, might not be as directly impacted um, by wolves. I mean, we've there's a there's a lot of different um, you know social interest and pressure um, for different levels of wolves. So just because they've stabilized doesn't mean that 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 you know erases any need for any type of management or or anything like that. I guess just hopefully that helps um, kind of put that in into perspective. But um, you know the department we we do not like you said we don't have a goal or or you know maximum uh, population level that we want to manage for in our management plan. Um, that's that's kind of by design. Um, I think especially when the plan was written back in 2008, I don't think we could have put uh, a pinpoint on where wolves would stabilize. You know, you can, you can try to make educated guesses for what that's going to look like, but we get mo- new information, you know, every year. Um, it's important to kind of have a plan that's going to stand up over time and, and be adaptable and, and be relevant in the future as things change. Um, but I think in general and, and how our plan is laid out is we're, we're trying to, you know, facilitate wolf related benefits and minimize wolf related conflicts. So I think, you know, it's, it's less important to us, the actual number of wolves out there. It's more, you know, how are those wolves impacting, um, impacting the you know the people that live in Michigan in a in a good or you know negative positive or negative way um, so are there enough wolves out there that people you know who want to go out and listen to wolves howl or see wolf tracks or you know know that they're out there or or whatever it might be can can have those benefits but also you know are is there are there not so many wolves that we're seeing you know unacceptable levels of livestock depredation or hunting dog depredation um or or you know potential issues with um you know where we're concerned about human safety so it's we have really tried to frame this and and try to focus on you know trying to provide for those benefits of having wolves on the landscape but minimize conflicts um rather than on just a you know one one you know number one population level that we want to manage for okay yeah again be able to really give a, a definite number because that even just reading through that management plan you know certainly that seems to be the the case of uh is is a much bigger document than i initially would have thought and when i first read through it um and that basically like you said it covers you know how to you know deal with the social side of it um, you know, dealing with, like you said, the different interest groups and dealing with livestock, livestock, uh, you know, like you said, domestic animals and everything like it, it covers all that and kind of a guideline of how to, you know, address all those areas. So I would see definitely that's hard to pinpoint exact number, but just refer to, hey, if this situation is happening, this is what the management plan says and how we can deal with it so sure absolutely i think um you know kind of an maybe an example of that is you know we can have a certain amount of you know a a high level of of bears in a certain part of the up and we'll have almost you know no negative uh issues like in the amasa unit we've got you know high levels of bears we don't see we see absolutely minimal um you know nuisance complaints that come through every year but then you take a way way smaller or similar number of bears and put them in the the northern three counties of the baldwin unit in the northern lower peninsula 
and you'll have you know an astronomical number of of nuisance issues so it, it really depends on context and and where people are and if you're able to you know effectively address those nuisance issues you might be able to have more or less of a species you know on the landscape and and so i think that's kind of you know why we're less hung up on on an actual number and more on you know what are the what are the actual impacts from having wolves out on the landscape at, at different levels okay yeah again that if you if people really wanted to know i would just say go ahead and read through the management plan that's going to answer a lot of those questions for you because yeah it's there's a lot to it and yeah absolutely it's it's a pretty comprehensive document everything from diseases to you know research to um depredation all kind of all over the board you know we try to try to kind of address those and and make sure that we can yeah manage all aspects of of wolves not just um you know one one or two sure. components and then um, since we're on the, the wolf management land, have, have we gotten or have you seen the results or are the results available from that survey yet? Yeah, so that was the first public comment period. I, I assume you're talking about, um, yeah, that kind of month-long public comment period that we sent out an online survey yes. to fill out? Yep. Yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah, so that's the first one. So that's on our current 2015 plan. Um, and then once we have a draft updated plan based in part on those comments, um, we'll put that out for, for another public comment period as well. I believe we got around 5,000 uh, respondents to that survey, so quite a few. Uh, to put that into context, when we did this for our bear management plan last fall, I think we had 300 and some. <laughs> so wolves definitely you know, kind of bring people out. Um, they, they show up, they want to be engaged, they want to provide input and, and a very, you know, a wider range of stakeholders and a more diverse set of stakeholders than we typically get with, with bears or, you know, coyotes or whatever we're talking about, other other species in the state. So we definitely have, you know, we've, we've been working on and I think we just completed going through all the written comments, obviously, you know, 5,000 times all the different questions adds up in a hurry. So we're trying to, you know, kind of get through those and um, figure out what the what the implications, what the big, um, you know, common themes are and how to incorporate those into the management plan. Um, so that's, that's something that we haven't, um, you know, gotten that actually incorporated into an updated draft to send out yet. But that's something we're working on. Um, but we're also waiting on a public attitude survey i'm not sure if you've heard about that at all yet but no. we're working on with michigan okay yeah we're working with michigan state university to do it's actually like a, a scientific survey um of the general public in the up northern lower and southern lower so broken down by region okay. that they live in as well as deer hunters fur takers and livestock producers so kind of trying to be able to to estimate and represent the you know the attitudes towards wolves or perspectives on wolves from people that you know live in those regions or belong to those different stakeholder groups that might be more directly impacted by wolves so that is a i think going to be a really important piece to include in the plan we've done it in the past the last time we did it i think was in 2005 and we had done it previous to that as well so it's been really neat to kind of look at that over time um we get some really good information on you know what different 
management techniques might be acceptable to the public and for what reasons. So yeah, that'll be really important results. They're almost finalized. Um, I think uh, actually at the next Wolf Management Advisory Council meeting, Emily Pomerantz from the Michigan DNR will be presenting the final results from that that study. So that'll be in next month in April. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, we also have a white paper that accompanies and informs the plan. So we call it the white paper. It's It's actually titled a review of biological and social science relevant to wolf management in Michigan. So basically it's like a very comprehensive literature review of all the, you know, relevant science that's out there on wolves and, and yeah, and wolf management that could be useful for us when we're making management decisions and updating the management plan. That is almost kind of nearing completion as well. Um, so once we have those as well as the public comment results and um, we've also been you know consulting with tribal governments in Michigan and working with our wolf management advisory council that I mentioned who will be providing uh, kind of a, a list of recommendations uh, I believe in May will be the last month that they meet anyway so it should be coming out soon after that then we'll kind of have all the all the pieces together to be able to put together a draft and then finalize the, the management plan but it's a lot of a lot of moving pieces, a lot of information, and um, you know input from the public to to try to incorporate and, and put together into an updated plan. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's a it's a big lift. Yeah. Okay. And then I I didn't catch. Did, was there a estimated time when that updated plan would be out then? So the the goal is by the end of June. There. We're, we're gonna try to meet that there's definitely been some um, you know some delays along the way especially working with you know outside partners to conduct different parts of this not their fault at all but just with trying to communicate between an agency and and uh, you know other organizations and get agreements in place to share information and, and all of that stuff um, it's definitely been a, a, a process but that's that's kind of the goal that's been that was set out um, at the beginning of, of updating the plan. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So yeah, so yeah, I'm definitely eager to, you know, take a look at, you know, that plan and whatnot when it comes out. So I'll definitely have that on my calendar to be on the look for it. So yeah, oh, I appreciate you actually reading through it too. Cause oh. <laughs> I think most folks don't, you know, and, and, um, you can, you can tell, you know, you get, you get comments for, you should include this in the plan or, or that in the plan or take this out. And, um, it's, it's interesting, you know, I mean, a lot of folks, of course, I mean, it's a, it's a big document. I think it's, well, with all the attachments and stuff, I think it's at least over about a hundred pages. So it's pretty, um, pretty hefty to get through for sure <laughs> yeah yeah and it's not an easy read because it goes over like history research it's like oh my goodness okay like what yeah. when, when do we get to something that's a little bit easier here but yeah no yeah. um so yes um yeah, yeah you said it's a good thing especially if anyone has any questions on on the wolves i mean outside from talking to someone like yourself you know that's the place that would turn people to see what the state stance is or you know how they want to go about sure, information absolutely. on it all because it's quite extensive for sure that's pretty much all that i really had to cover or at least from from my notes that i wanted to touch base with you on um but is there anything else that we might not have covered that you think that people should know or 
want to highlight? I guess I can I could touch on um, you know we talked about our wolf population estimates, um, and I, I mentioned that they're a minimum population estimate, so we conduct those with they're basically a, a track survey in the winter, and so we've we've been doing it the same way with some little tweaks along the way since the late '80s when when we first had you know three wolves show up and then start reproducing. So initially we were trying to count every single wolf um you know in the up but they were not throughout the entire up um, and doing it every winter so over time we ended up um, switching to every other winter we actually alternate it with our moose survey and then um now we we sample about 60 percent of the up each year so we take um the ups broken down into 21 different survey units and then kind of stratified or you know grouped based on what historic wolf density has been in those areas and then we'll take a random sample out of each grouping so it's just kind of a way that we can survey you know over half the up but not have to try to pull off you know surveying every wolf in the entire up um but anyways because it's done in the winter and because we're trying to count every wolf in an area um, you know, in those sampled units each year, um, it's a it's a produces a minimum population estimate, which is really good for when we're trying to evaluate whether we've reached our federal or state recovery goals. You know, so in especially early on, it was it was probably the most appropriate way to you know estimate our wolf population. Now that we're getting into you know we we've had a stable population the last ten years, we're well above those recovery criteria. We actually have a new research project in place to look at a couple different alternative methods for um, surveying wolves and producing an estimate for the UP. So one of those would be a, a kind of a different style of winter track survey that would give us more a less conservative estimate, but still, you know, during winter when wolves are at the lowest point in their annual population cycle. So of course every spring pups are going to be born and then you're going to have pup and adult mortality throughout the year until they reach their next lowest point the following winter. So that would be, it would be, I think, a a step in the right direction, Um, maybe more useful for, for our current, you know, management scenario than, than in the past. So, and that's actually something that Wisconsin has moved towards uh, in recent years as well. Um, And then the other technique that we're going to be trying out would be a trail camera based survey. So that's kind of exciting to us because you could do it in the winter, you know, once again, and get a kind of a less conservative estimate of the population. Um, Or you could also do it potentially at other times of year. So we might be able to see, you know, what does wolf abundance in the summer look like and how does it compare to wolf abundance in the winter? Um, So that's, I don't know, kind of an exciting thing for us. We're planning on running all three of those techniques over the next uh, five years or so and being able to kind of compare them and evaluate them and then make a decision of you know which one do we continue on with in the future okay i i'm a little curious though on the with the trail camera one you know how do you how are you able to use that to check the numbers because i mean anyone that deer hunts or use trail cameras for you know that type of thing you know you know that they're not always you know telling a, a good story or telling the whole story so i'm curious as uh how you're able to manage those pictures that you're getting to be able to come up with a, a number of wolves sure so um it would be using a, a technique called occupancy modeling 
Um, and basically, I'm, I'm not going to be the best person to explain this, but we, we have been using it um, on actually used it on the predator prey study. We've been using it on our deer movement study up here on on uh, quite a few you know different species, getting to try it out. Um, it's been mostly focused on deer, um, but then we've been playing around with um, similar setups for bear and other species as well. Um, so basically, you set up you know a grid over the UP and the average the grid cell size would be a can would be consistent with or you know uh, equal to the average wolf territory size um and then you'd have one or more cameras within each of those grid cells so you're you're almost detecting presence of wolves or whether that cell is occupied uh, and you're doing that several times throughout the sampling period and it you can actually produce an estimate that way so in addition to you know your cameras that are out there you'd also have collared wolves so you'd be able to monitor you know what is that average territory size over time um are there changes with you know other other things as well where that survey needs to be you know tweaked or scaled as as things might change um but it actually has been demonstrated for a lot of different species and and can be super effective and and um, really nice to work with so it's a little different obviously if you you know throw out a a a trail camera you have a trail camera and you know several landowners around you have trail cameras you might be counting the same individuals you might um, like you said you might miss individuals especially if you're at like a a baited site versus a trail versus a a, a two track so um, we've kind of gotten to play around with, with different scenarios over the years on these other research projects and mess around with baited versus unbaited setups um one of the nice things about wolves which is why i think a lot of a lot of folks think there's you know wolves all over the place or higher densities of wolves than some of our other predators is because they love to run roads and trails and anything that is a a easy path of travel um and they cover a ton of ground i mean they can they can travel up to 30 miles in in a 24-hour period and so these would or the plan would be to set these up on trails or like two tracks or um you know established deer trails things where wolves are going to be very likely to travel and so they can be really effective and that way you're you're getting you know less at a bait site obviously if you have a deer come in it could it might stay there for an hour and you might get you know 100 pictures or it might stay there for for two minutes and you might get a couple pictures right so um having an, a non-baited setup i think would be um probably even more effective and get less of that sampling the same individual multiple times but then having those grids scaled to the average territory size ensures or minimizes their chance of getting you know the same wolf on multiple different cameras which helps with with estimating the population too so it's kind of uh it's a a newer technique that's been around for for a while and starting to get it adapted to different species and different scenarios and i think it it does show you know a lot of promise for our up wolf population gotcha okay yeah i figured it would be a little bit more in depth than just throwing a few cameras out and trying to count the number of wolves that show up on it but i was curious about how you guys 
you know, did yeah, that. Yeah, and, and luckily, you know, we're able to partner with some uh, researchers at different different universities that have an expertise in this stuff, right? And and how to um, estimate populations and and monitor different species over time, trying out all this new technology. Um, and so we'd be able to partner with with folks that have that expertise and and could bring that to the table as well, which is what we're doing. They're actually partnering right now with the State University in New York. Um, researchers there that have that we've been working with on these other research projects in the UP and have gotten to kind of fine tune, you know, what would be effective, what would work for for wolves up here. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, I think we covered quite a bit, and I've kept you on the phone for quite a while, so I think I should probably let you go so that we can get on with the rest of your day. But I guess if people were wanting to find out more or had any additional questions where would you send them to uh, get some answers yeah um i mean we have our, our website michigan.gov so that's wolves. it for the that's conversation with Cody. information on there thank you again Cody, it's actually for coming if, you're, on. if you're a dog hunter you're into concerned about wolves uh, or trying to minimize risk of your dogs there's maps on there of, have been going of confirmed on, dog depredation uh, locations hunting dog depredation well locations so there, there's some really the, good information the on there that Will hopefully be put back on you know, the of, of use list. and so a couple things to, to, to folks that are interested I note or i mean they could, they could certainly reach out to me yeah, as well did make it all right clear excellent well thanks the stance of the state and well, i guess for the dnr you know they are uh, not in favor of keeping the wolves on the endangered species list which is not really much of a surprise states want control of their natural resources and they and they want to be able to manage them um, as they see that they should. And the other part is that you know, you know, Cody is a he's a biologist. He works with works within the DNR, and you know, it is hard. I can understand that it's hard for him or for the department to really give you know hardened numbers on you know, how many particular animals of a certain species needs to be there. And he did bring up an excellent point about the wolf management plan you know as i talked to him i kind of got refreshed in my memory about some of the stuff that's brought up in that in that management plan and it does really cover you know it doesn't really specify on you know how many wolves in certain areas are allowed it's it looks at more of you know interaction with other wildlife with the ecosystem with humans with livestock and can use that as the blueprint of how to manage, you know, the wolf species or wolves or to manage wolves given a particular area based on their impact, which the more I think about it makes a lot more sense than having a generic number. So certainly if you know, really want to understand, you know, what the state has laid out on how they're or how they would like to manage wolves or how you know what their guideline is for managing wolves you know i do encourage you to take a look at the management plan and read through it for yourself and speaking of management plan so as i said there are some updates even since i've talked to cody and uh, i did learn a few new things that there are some you know representatives that are putting things in motion to help certain states out in regards to uh, wolf management. So the first one here in the state of Michigan on April 12th, the Michigan State Senate will vote on legislation 
uh, basically urging the Wolf Management Advisory Council and the DNR to adopt a wolf hunting and trapping as part of the state's management plan. So in reading through that document, it's not really big, at least. And it's basically, from from how I read it, it's basically saying that, you know, despite the federal protections of the gray wolf right now, that they would like the advisory council or the wolf management advisory council and the DNR to proceed with developing the plan for the regulations on wolf hunting and trapping within the state. So basically, like I said, how I understand it, they're saying, hey, even though they have federal protection right now, proceed forward in developing that plan so that when we do have the opportunity to manage the wolves again, that we already have the plan in place. That's how I read through it, and that's how I understand it. I may be wrong, but it seemed like a pretty straightforward document there. And then also, uh, some representatives from Wisconsin. So you got Senator Ron Johnson, who's a Republican, along with Senator Tammy Baldwin, uh, who's a Democrat in Wisconsin, along with Senator Cynthia Loomis from Wyoming, and Senator John Barroso of Wyoming have introduced legislation uh, to return management of the gray wolf populations to the states and the listing of wolves and endangered species act in the western great lakes including wisconsin michigan and minnesota and wyoming as well under the endangered species act of 1973 so what all that is saying is that essentially they are bringing up legislation in regards to the Endangered Species Act and some of the rulings that have come through, um, primarily, essentially what they're arguing is that uh, based on you know the Endangered Species Act and how it's read through and how it's been ruled on um, in regards to the delisting of gray wolves is that it, it should not be up for judicial review um, after it had gone through the District of Appeals um, after the first litigation to kind of set a precedent that uh, because it's been under it's been gone through the appeals process already once that it it looks like they're arguing that it should not be under additional additional judicial review um, you know basically it's saying that the courts are arguing with themselves and after a ruling has been made that it shouldn't be questioned again again that one's a little bit more in depth and you know certainly I'm not a lawyer so I don't know exactly if that's how it's being presented, but that's how I kind of interpreted and kind of read through the document. So there are, you know, representatives and you know groups in power that are trying to, you know, kind of fight this this ruling. You know, I did kind of bring it up to Cody that you know, is there any action being done by the state to, you know, kind of fight fight the the ruling, um, putting the wolves back on. The endangered species list and it looks like there are individuals who are trying to you know trying to fight this a little bit so and i will add links to these different um, pieces of legislation so you can take a look at it for yourself if you'd like read through it and then certainly if you're in support of what they're doing let your representative know that they have your support in this regard so that covers everything i wanted to get through now there are certainly a lot of other things that could be talked about in regards to wolves and wolf management within the state as well as across the country. So there'll probably be more to come, more discussions in the future, but it's time to wrap this one up. 
So as always, get out there, be safe, and have fun. <laughs>